Hello everyone, welcome back, or welcome to From the Market Square, presented by Sheehan Finney. It's been a while since our last episode, but the holidays are upon us, and it seemed like the perfect time to check in on a beloved holiday tradition here in Portsmouth. Elf the Musical just started its holiday run at the Music Hall, and today I got to chat with two of the key players behind the production. Tina Sautel, who you may have heard on the podcast before, is Executive Director of the Music Hall. Brad Kenny, the Executive Artistic Director of the Agunquit Playhouse, joined us from Broadway. They both shared some behind-the-scenes insight into the partnership between these two great cultural institutions and talked about what goes into making the holiday programming so special. It's a great preview of what audiences can look forward to this year, and you haven't gotten into holiday spirit just yet. This episode might help. Thanks for listening, and happy holidays. All right. Well, Tina and Brad, thanks so much. Welcome to welcome to From the Market Square, our little podcast here in uh, in Portsmouth. Thanks, thanks for, having for having us. Yeah, it's great great Same. to have you both. Tina Tina is actually our Tina. You're my first return guest. I don't know if you knew that or not, but you're the you're the first one to be on here twice. So hey, thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. As I appreciate you were willing to come back again. Um, and uh, and and Brad is a Brad is a is a is a, a first timer, but I'm really excited uh, to have him join us because. Um, you know, the Agunquin Playhouse is, you know, our neighbors to the north here in, in, in Portsmouth. We have there's we have so many um, patrons and benefactors and even board members who will occasionally overlap between the music hall and, and uh, the Agunquin Playhouse. So, um, Brad, just, you know, starting with you, if you don't mind, I mean, could you just sort of tell me a little bit, uh, you know, for, for the broader audience uh, about Agunquin Playhouse, you know, uh, who you guys are, what you what you do, and so the kind of the programming you offer? Sure. Um, well, we're just, it's an honor to be with you both because we're closing out the 90th anniversary season of the Agunquit Playhouse, believe it or not. So we're heading to a full century. And the Agunquit Playhouse is a unique theater because it's a large nonprofit regional theater. It's the largest arts organization in the state of Maine, actually growing from what was a 10 week summer stock theater for probably half of its life for 50 years or more. And now is one of the largest regional theaters in the country and certainly New England. And again, the largest arts organization in the state here. Um, but what's unique about the Agunquit Playhouse is when we make shows there, they're not touring shows of any form. We enjoy touring shows and concerts and all kinds of things like that in different venues. But Agunquit's one of the last major nonprofit regional theaters that are self-producing. That means each of the shows there, even though it might have an Emmy Award winner designing the set or a Tony Award winner or an Oscar nominee on the stage, um, these, are, these shows are created right at the Agunquit Playhouse. Often, right now I'm in New York City, we're in rehearsals for a brand new musical coming soon, but we um, work with big Broadway casting agents and then literally cast every uh, performer, every director is brought together by my, by my, my team, designers, all of it, to create really a once in a lifetime experience. So it's a full Broadway scale show with the folks that work on Broadway in LA, and um, but done, in the great old tradition of regional theater in the seacoast here. And so um, 90 years, the theater was started by Walter Hartwig back in the 30s and um, was always meant to be and is recognized by the National uh, National Park Service uh, as a national historic site because of its impact on the American theater. Not just architecturally, it's a beautiful building that people love, but um, it was truly one of the first theaters in the nation 
purposefully built to be a world-class theater in a region. So it was not in a big urban setting. It wasn't in New York, it wasn't in London. And uh, so it's kind of always been that. Then I participated in Summerstock 50s and 60s, all the famous TV stars came. And, and now for about the past 20 years, um, it's grown into one of the largest regional theaters. So the shows are all unique. We select the seasons working with, yes, some extraordinary people from London and Broadway and Hollywood. Um, but the shows will run for three to five or six weeks and that's it. Generally they're not tra uh, traveling like in a prepackaged thing anywhere. Some have transferred to New York and London and things like that, but um, it's really in a famous historic building. We're just really blessed to be able to be building big world-class shows uh, for the seacoast. So we're fortunate. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, now Brad, you're a, you're a young man. You certainly haven't been there for 90 years. So, I mean, how, what's, <laughs> what's your, uh, you know, what, what, what's your background and, and how did, how did you, you know, how did you find your way to, uh, to the playhouse? Aren't you nice? I must have a good filter on today, but uh, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I'm, I've grown old in that playhouse. And so um, uh, I'll be, it's my, 18th season, I believe, next year. And um, so I came from uh, Worcester's Foothill Theater down in Wo the Worcester area. And so much of the central Massachusetts um, area comes up to the seacoast for the beach in the summer. So I certainly knew about Agonquit and had been very fortunate to sit in that theater many times and um, was helping them over almost 20 years ago now uh, restructure themselves. And uh, things were changing in Massachusetts for me. And purely coincidentally, uh, I grew closer and closer with them. And so 20 years later, here I sit. But I was a singer in my past. I was a baritone. I'm also a, a painter. I paint um, oil uh, seascapes and landscapes. And so it did not escape me that I would be very fortunate to work uh, in the northern seacoast of New England um, would be a really wonderful thing. And to be able to work in theater, I'd become an administrator by that point. And, um, and then also be able to paint. Uh, would be a great thing but i grew up in new england i grew up in rhode island and um son of four different immigrants a great great grandson of four different immigrants coming together in the perfect american new england kind of story and uh and so my family's been in cape cod and rhode island you know for a couple generations now yes. so i knew Agunquit very well in portsmouth of course you know, it, 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 there's, there must be something about Agunquit in massachusetts because I, I grew up in massachusetts myself and um <clears throat> Even as a kid, you know, back in the you know back in the back in the seventies, my my grandparents would would it was always would go to a gunquit, even if it was just for the for the weekend, and it was, um, you know, Lord's Lobster Pound at the time, you know, Barnacle Bills, which was right you know right in the and and you know speaking of painting, I there were there used to be and I don't Tina or or Brad I don't know if you remember there used to be a. A, a painter there was a there was a guy who had a van um that would that, would that would park right in perkins cove and had all his you know had had all his oil paintings out sort of on the you know uh i don't know if you remember that at all in your in your travels back in the day but um yeah, of course we have a lot of pictures of him in town i can't remember his name yeah. but um i paint outdoors that's what i do myself with plain air painter and so recently the town has allotted parking spaces out in perkins cove now mm -hmm. for resident artists trying to reboot um the guy in his van yeah yes but he's a, he's a beloved the beloved <laughs> character in a gunk and i can't remember his name right now but um people are gonna be screaming at me but uh yeah, it's no, it's a very, it is a very special place. And yeah, in, in Massachusetts, we've got the Cape, mm 
uh-huh. or we go to if you you know if you like the Cape or if you like the seacoast, you come up to Algonquin, the Fort Smith area. So we're fortunate. Yeah, yeah. Tina, you're from Maine, right? Originally. I am. Yeah, born and raised in a, a small town called Cor- Corinna, Maine, more central parts. Um, yeah, and moved to the New Hampshire Seacoast area in uh, around 1992 when I discovered UNH, which was my alma mater. And I've just, I've never left the Seacoast area since then. I can honestly say, uh, you know, journeying over to uh, Agunquit, I live in Dover, New Hampshire now, um, is absolutely adds to, to the delight, you know, in, in where, um, where we're all so fortunate to live. It's such a wonderful community. Um, I try to avoid the traffic during the summer months, though, because it's so hectic there in Agunquit. So, and similarly, we're having those challenges here in Portsmouth now, uh, now as well. But great place to live and work. So, so I, you know, obviously being on the board of the music hall, I, you know, and I, I know of the, you know, sort of the the relationship between the music hall and Agunquit Playhouse, but I don't necessarily know the history. Um, so, I mean, you know, Tina or, or Brad, could you sort of sort of fill me in a little bit on, on sort of what the, what the history of the of the relationship is and the collaboration and sort of how did that come about over the over- probably take the lead on this because, uh, you know, he would he was one of the, the pioneers there back in the day. And I can definitely speak to it uh, in its current state. But Brad, buddy, why don't you go? go sure. For it? Um, well, I would say back in probably as early as 2006 or 2007, we saw the Playhouse in Agunquist starting to grow beyond its 10 week season. And there are, we knew very well that the holidays are one of the greatest times in the seacoast. And our building is a summer building. It really isn't meant for that. And we're a small community in in the winter. And so we were looking for um, someone to partner with the Agunquist Playhouse that really could just embrace our community and our work that it lined up with their own and um, who could be looking for something of this caliber and um, spoke to a number of different, I would say, um, large venues like the music hall um, within probably about a half hour to a uh, 30, half hour to an hour radius. But our closest um, desire was certainly the music hall as we are so close to each other. I mean, depending on where you're living, when you visit the music hall or the playhouse, you could be 10 minutes from either. And so there's a bridge there between us, but the line is very blurred. I shop in Portsmouth. I do, you know, I do my grocery shopping in Portsmouth and I live in Agonquit. So we recognize that this was really the ideal. And um, I think as we continue to talk about it, we really kept an eye on um, not only sharing the shows that happen in the spring, summer and fall in, in Agonquit in the different season down at, at the music hall, but in particular the holidays. And um, there are so many beloved stories, and it is such an extraordinary time to bring together every generation of the holidays, especially for big, you know, theatrical spectacles. Even in England, they have the pantos, the pantomimes, and it's, it's really part of America. I grew up in, in Rhode Island going to Trinity Rep and going to a Christmas carol. Every single year we would go, and you'd see how it would change. And it, it really came to my attention that Portsmouth had its traditions, um, for uh, presenting things like that. But in that spectacular venue that is the music hall, what a place to really, um, you know, bring to life something absolutely Broadway or world-class that sat there for a period of time, not just a couple nights or a week, but maybe a number of weeks um, that you could just see, you know, children that are five years old, all dressed up for the holidays, coming with their grandparents or great-grandparents and, and um, people of all abilities and things being able to come in from all walks of life. 
And thankfully, um, after a couple of years, the music hall was very full. Its calendar is always very, very full. Um, but uh, the, the board, Patricia Lynch, who was the executive director, I believe was her title at the time, um, and I, and then eventually people like Tina and others at the music hall just started to build a plan on what could it be. And we initially acquired the um, original Broadway sets and costumes for White Christmas. And that was kind of our dream. If we could build something to that degree where a spectacle of that scale could play at the music hall. And so those assets were all eventually purchased um, specifically for the music hall in mind. Um, but while leading up to it, we uh, did a production of Buddy Holly in the summer, then brought Mary Poppins to the stage um, during the holiday time, then eventually did bring White Christmas, I believe, to the stage, and then continued to grow the different types of shows and the different kinds of audiences that uh, came here. So it's been, I believe, seven or eight years now. Yeah, I believe it's eight, Brett. Yeah. Eight years. And, you know, once we discovered through one of the historians at the music hall that one of my predecessors, Maude Hartwig, who with Walter built the building in 1937, during the Second World War, a little bit thereafter, came down to what was the Portsmouth Theater at the time. And so a Gunquit Playhouse actually did produce, I believe, a fall season at the Portsmouth theater, as the music hall was then called, uh, for a number of years. So Maude Hartwig, who had been suffering through the blackouts during World War II, um, brought the troupe down and they did a couple shows there. So our history is seven to eight years, or it's a good 60, depending on which way you <laughs> want to count it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. That's, um, that's wonderful. That's all. That's that's all a great history for me too. I haven't I hadn't heard that before. So that's that's uh, that's wonderful. It's 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 great to know. And of course, you know, this year's programming is is uh, is Elf the musical. And um, I think as I as I said when I was sharing some notes with you both um, before before our our call, um, I've buried the lead, but uh, we're coming right out you know right out of opening weekend and and you know opening opening night of uh, Elf the Musical. So I guess I'll I'll just ask it. I mean. I, how was it? I mean, I, I was I wasn't there. I wasn't there for 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 opening night. But so tell me, how's it? How's 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 it been so far this year? Well, I think Buddy certainly has brought the Christmas spirit to downtown Portsmouth in in a just in an immense way. Um, the the cast is just fantastic. The set Brad should talk about the set. It is just phenomenal if you're on any of the social media platforms, Instagram or uh, those sorts of things. There's some fantastic pictures where you can get um, just a real appreciation for the height of the Music Hall's proscenium arch and then what Brad and his team have done to create this very magical uh, portal uh, where Buddy the Elf comes from the North Pole all the way down to New York City in the story, but here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, you know, in, in the real life form. So um, the audiences, I think, are telling us that it's a fantastic uh, production with their enthusiasm and the, the applause and the standing ovations uh, that everybody gets at the end of the show. But I couldn't be happier with, with being able to bring it back after our two-year hiatus that we've had through the pandemic, which was just an absolute um, gut-wrenching decision two years in a row where Brad and I were on calls just like this and having to throw in the towel because of uh, all the uncertainty that the pandemic brought. So we, we're just thrilled to have it finally, um, have, have the partnership remain strong throughout all of that and to have this fantastic uh, production on our stage. 
Well, that's yeah. Um, I'm coming in. I'm, you know, I'll be there in a couple of weeks. I can't wait to see it again. Um, I. How many times has Elf uh, been performed at the? Because I, I, I want to say I was. Is it been twice before that Elf in particular has been at the music hall? Once before? Um, I, I, I know. It, I, you tell me. Is yeah, it was two, uh, 2018, if I'm not mistaken, Brad, right? Uh, this is the second. I think that's correct. Yeah. This is the second time we've done it. Yeah. And to uh, to Tina's point, the um, we we're very fortunate to get some extraordinary people to create this production at the Music Hall. And this, this set has been specifically designed for this venue. Um, and sometimes we'll bring in a big Broadway set and adjust it and really customize it for the Music Hall. But here you have one of the all-time great scenic designers, Jason Sherwood, who's an Emmy Award winner. And we're working at this site and you'll see what he's done. Don't want to give it all away, but to Tina's point, um, uh, Santa gives Buddy the Elf, just like in the film, a, a snow globe um, to send him on his way to New York so he can figure out how to get there. And so Jason Sherwood, this extraordinary designer, has designed the music hall basically as a snow globe. And so it is extraordinary. I mean, there's probably a 30 foot high portal that all lights um, with multiple uh, directions. There's three Broadway 30K size projectors in the room, four, I believe, actually, in all different locations to create a real immersive environment. So there's animation, there's an immersion, um, a lot of light, a lot of atmospherics. It's extraordinary what's happening in the room. And it's designed by some of the all-time Broadway grades. And uh, Jason Corson has done the beautiful projections. And then Connor Gallagher, who created a show that's running on Broadway, Beetlejuice, right now, is one of the hottest shows all over the world. Um, Connor Gallagher is who came uh, to Portsmouth to create the show. And he's been one of the original team members on Elf. But we were very much looking forward to um, bringing not even the broad, you know, brand new Broadway company. Um, I can tell you some about the cast. It's really exciting who we have. But even in bed, in the elves themselves, um, it's like half of the elves are, are Broadway uh, performers and the other half are actually some youths from the Seacoast area that were auditioned and went through a boot camp, an elf boot camp, uh, and to see if they would make it to be, I think, one of the eight or ten that get to step in with the Broadway costumes on the stage with the Broadway performers. And it's it's pretty extraordinary what's happening in the room. Right. And it's packed. What, a, what an extraordinary weekend. It exploded. The place was full. Um, it was so great to see um, people coming back to the theater and, and being comfortable and of all ages. And um, the music hall does such a beautiful job. They've got all kinds of treats for families in the lobby. It's stunningly decorated. If you haven't been, if anyone, if the listeners haven't been to the music hall during the holidays, you know, the decoration hits you as soon as you walk up to the building. And it's all throughout the lobbies, up the banisters. And it's um, the environment. It's such a beautiful building and such a whimsical one. And so at the holidays, it's just really extraordinary. And they've got different, all different kinds of things and food and beverage and popcorn and a candy station and letters to Santa. And um, I mean, there's, it's, there's a lot going on for families to be able to celebrate in the room, as well as a pretty incredible Broadway show on stage created just for the room. Yeah, that's, 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 that's fantastic. And um, so, I mean, what does it, what does it take? I guess uh, I'm looking at both sides, both the musical side and, and, and Brad, your side from the playhouse. I mean, what is it, what is it, what does it, what does it take to get a, a, a leading up to the actual, you know, getting the production ready for the musical? Um, you know, what kind of things go on behind the scenes, you know, that, that, 
you know, for, for someone like me, who's not obviously involved on the production end, you know, I just get to walk in and, and sort of enjoy the spectacle. And, and, you know, as you, as you've described uh, this, this sort of extraordinary experience, but it takes a lot to get to that point. Um, you know, what's some, what, 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 what are some of like the hurdles that you have to tackle behind the scenes and, you know, all the things you have to navigate to really just sort of, to sort of, you know, make it come off so magical for the, for the audience on, on, you know, on, on the night of the show. Yeah, I, I can speak to um, kind of the, the beginnings of that, you know, prepping the theater uh, for loading in these massive sets. It's it's a pretty um, big, we call it a lift for, for our crew. Um, there's, we clear out the calendar uh, leading up to the performance um, by at least two weeks. Sometimes you need a little bit more de depending on the particular production. Um, so we literally are cleaning out the wings uh, of, of the backstage area, putting things in storage, getting it ready, uh, totally prepped uh, for these massive load-ins. Um, we, I think collectively, Brad, I don't know if, we, if we've ever compared notes on this, but I think we together uh, bring together well over 100 people uh, to, pr to bring to bring this um, this performance. So it's definitely is our high watermark in terms of the staffing levels really spike for us uh, when we do the, these holiday productions. And it's a, a lot of uh, overhire crew, people that are just there to move things in and out and around um, to uh, load the, uh, the rigging system, uh, the grid system with all the beautiful set pieces. And then, they have to start to do the rehearsals, right, Brad? So at some point, it tra it really transitions into um, rehearsing and what's called uh, Tech Week, which Brad can speak to much better than I can. Right. Yeah, and it's all the things uh, Tina's spoken about. Casting is with Binder Casting. It's a famous Broadway casting agent in New York. Um, and that starts probably, well, six months in advance on a show like this, certainly with um, Stephen Booth, who's a Broadway performer that is our buddy, the elf in the Wood of Will Ferrell role. He did it before, and it's been interesting to see him grow. He's been on the Tina Turner musical on Broadway and um, and came to do this. Um, but so we have some people like that in place. Once we knew that, no, we're doing the title, we called Stephen and some of these folks immediately and wanted to ensure that they were available. So those phone calls may have happened even a year ago. Rights are acquired and then the show is cast. Intensive rehearsals begin about two and a half weeks before we go into the building at the music hall. So we're in rehearsal studios, either in New York or in Agunquit. We do have two in Agunquit as well. And um, everyone's brought up to the area eventually, housed in hotels, both in Portsmouth and up in Agunquit, transported in cars and vans and everything back and forth. There's a company management team of five people that manage where they're going, how they're arriving. And then they go into full rehearsals. They rehearse six days a week for 45 hours a week, I believe. And then they go in the studio with mirrors, picture like a dance studio. And then, um, then we transfer to the music hall. And then it enters the environment that Tina's prepared for us and day by day we go through what is called tech and those are about 12 hour days in picture standing on the stage and looking out at the audience and it's a sea of special tables that are kind of like stabilized and a ton of different computers big broadway um projection boards or sound boards and video boards um, lighting consoles and we just start and we literally create the show scene by scene lighting cue by lighting cue Sound cue by sound cue, costume, elf by elf, <laughs> elf shoe by um, reindeer, whatever it is, each piece is put into the show and rehearsed and then dress rehearsed. And then we go into previews 
and the music hall is great. Just like at a gunk, we have three very special previews. They're kind of like our um, sneak peek dress rehearsal kind of things, but we're still working on the show. And so the audience is sitting there with our um, creators. So Connor Gallagher's in the room or the designers are in the room. We're all taking notes and it's great because the audience will run up to you during intermission or after the show. Well, I think it's great. Did you notice this? And you couldn't possibly change anything as we have 10 pages of notes, of course, sitting there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that all goes on and on and on. But it's, it's, um, it is really extraordinary because you're, you know, how often do you get to create art at that scale? Yeah. Right. And you're in and, and be part of it in your own neighborhood with people like that in the room. And um, it's an investment. It's a big investment on behalf of the board of, of both organizations and the staff. And um, uh, but I guess I got off on a tangent. So we do all that. We rehearse. And then um, we have production meetings every night after every preview. We're changing the show, adding something. What didn't work? And then opening night. And then and on then off it goes from there. So it goes. Yeah, and op opening night was extraordinary. Packed, packed. Jump people jumping to their feet. Tell me, so Brett, I want to give you a chance to tell me a little bit about the cast because I know there are some familiar faces and some new faces as well. And and so, so I mean, so yeah, so if if you can, just give us a little bit of a, a little insight into into the cast and and what we should be so excited about this year. Sure. Uh, so first up is Stephen Booth. He is playing Buddy the Elf. And uh, that was the, create, the character iconically created in the film by Will Ferrell. Um, as I said, Stephen has been with us before, um, four years, but it's been really interesting to see him grow. Um, he was an extraordinary Broadway performer then, uh, but he's kind of really grown into it. And um, he now has a child who is four years old and um, she's never seen her dad on stage. Oh boy. And so next week for all of us, we should know that uh, she's going to get to see her dad be Buddy the Elf in a show she in a film she knows really well. So that'll be an extraordinary, extraordinary night, Tina. And uh, I'm there for like, to see that. I want to witness it. <laughs> that, that's cool. And so um, uh, and then there's Diana Huey. So Stephen's with us as Buddy. And then uh, Diana Huey is wonderful. She's probably most famous for being uh, Ariel, the Little Mermaid, across the, in the national tour of the Little Mermaid. And uh, she hails from the West Coast and uh, Broadway, and of course, as well. And so uh, Diana's extraordinary. She was in the show before as well, and she's Jovi. Um, she's working at Macy's when she crossed paths decorating a Christmas tree, and Buddy starts working with her at the North Pole. And uh, hilarity and romance ensues. And um, one of the other big pieces we've uh, added to the uh, show this year in the role of Santa is one of Broadway's most treasured performers. For four years, he starred as the genie in Aladdin, and it's Major Attaway. And so one of uh, Broadway's great kind of like family Broadway spectacle musical stars, Major Attaway is here at the music hall with us right now as Santa Claus. Yeah. And um, he's cool. He's got a, a very wry sense of humor, this Santa. And uh, <laughs> Tina, thoughts on- sassy, sassy Santa. He, he really, uh, the, the, the first time I saw him during one of the previews, I said, oh, he is full of sass. Let's call him yeah. sassy. So yep. that's kind of yep. caught on here in the office. Everybody's been enjoying to go check it out and see what I mean. Yeah. He's really, really cool. And you can hear in the audience, the adults are laughing at him and the kids are screaming, where did Santa go as soon as he runs off stage? So um, it's it's really cool. So a really unique, uh, as you can as you can hear, really an extraordinary cast. And, and that has to do with, um, uh, I think, the heritage of our organizations. Yes, the caliber of the team having, you know, designers and creators like this, but they want to come up and words out 
you know, on Broadway that um, this is a, it's a wonderful gig. And it's, you know, Portsmouth is beautiful, especially in the downtown area. I tell them all it's like a Dickensian town and um, come to life at Christmas time. And uh, it does not escape them. So, you know, Brad, uh, I got to talk with the musicians the other night during intermission, and I was just thrilled to hear from a number of them that this is uh, their repeat uh, performance at the music hall and how much pride they have in being a part of our partnership and the joint production that we do. And so the mu musicians are stellar as well. Um, just fantastic um, live performances being done there. It just uh, so tight and so, so well choreographed with everything that's going on stage. Sure, it's a great note. The, um, uh, the score by Matthew Sklar is spectacular. And it's, it's because if no one's seen the musical or heard the Broadway recordings of it, it's um, kind of got like a big band uh, tap dance, but then also kind of like Mad Men, Frank Sinatra swing to it. And so there's a, yeah, yeah. it's got like this, to what Tina's mentioning, it's got, these are killer performers from the Boston Musicians Association or, hang on a second, something loud going by, sorry, a Boston Musicians Association or, and uh, Broadway all combining together uh, to pick like these top eight, uh, six or eight or 10 that come up to the room, but with like full brass wailing on some of these numbers. Mm -hmm. And so um, the score is a surprise. It's very it's, it's contemporary at times. Yes, a bit holiday Broadway spectacle, but also kind of like swing brassy at times. And um, so yeah, the band is, I was thinking of that the other night and um, along with also the dancers, you got one of the greatest Broadway choreographers going. And so you're coming to see this great big, you know, all age musical with Sassy Santa, even for the adults. <laughs> and yet the, the orchestrations of it you know, you could sit and watch like in a symphonic concert. They're that good. And these players are that killer, like flourishing brass at times. And then I would say also the, um, the dancers, you know, I had people up even on the first preview come and go, oh my God, the choreography is extraordinary. So, you know, you've got, you know, 12 killer Broadway dancers on stage and um, that helps add to it as well. You kind of forget all the different things that are in there in a music like that. Yeah, it's um, it really does. Try, I mean, you know, and I was uh, I think you both have already described it. You know, I was going to ask, you know, what, what do you think it is that just makes Elf, the, the, this particular, you know, property for the holidays, such a beloved, um, beloved show? I think everything that you've just described is is part of it. I mean, anything else to add to that? I mean, to, to me, it's, it, you know, holiday pro programming is always is always special, right? There's, there's always something about it that's, that's, that seems a little extra special. But um, this you know, I've been in the Portsmouth community for a while and, and people are still talking about Elf from 2018. I mean, they really are. I mean, there, there's, there was some, there was something about this. And of course it's the, it's, it's the cast, it's the producers, it's the, it's the team. Um, but there's something about the, you know, there's something about the show I think that really resonates and, and gets people excited about having it come back this year. Cause I've been, you know, people have been talking about it for six months, eight months, right, Tina? I mean, since. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing I could add is that is these small little, um, uh, additions in the writing that's done, like the reference that Santa makes to um, he's trying to work, watch the Patriots uh, versus the Buccaneers. There's multiple little additions to the to, to what the cast is is saying um, that I think definitely gives people a sense of um, th this is modern, this is connected to what's going on or around us, and it's it's it speaks to you know regionally. Um, you know, what people, what's near and dear to people's hearts. So 
I find that always um, uh, exciting to watch for in, in this particular production. Yeah, it is. It is. It's contemporary, and I think that's what surprises people: the contemporary and local references in it, and um, and then it's all the fun and wackiness you'd expect out of uh, the film. Um, and then it's also got a story about it. It's a family as well, and um, it's a family for today. You know, there's someone's working too hard, someone's ignoring somebody else, and um, and even Buddy the Elf has a journey he's got to make. And um, there are certainly a few times where. I can even think of, you know, oh, maybe I should have done that better in my life or something. It's not, it, it, it's really, it's some of the, when you get some great stories, you get a chance to uplift people, make them see, see, them, see something maybe a little different way uh, and touch their hearts. And um, Elf will definitely do that. There are some really quiet and beautiful moments like that in it. Well, I, um, well, I can't wait to see it now. I mean, I, <laughs> I have, I've uh, just talked with you for listening to you both for, for half an hour or so. I can't, I can't wait to see it. And I'm sure anyone else uh, who's listening is going to be excited if they don't have their tickets. If they do have their tickets, they certainly will be. Are there tickets still available, Tina? They're still, they're still, they're still. Yeah, available. they're going fast. Uh, the weekend shows are almost uh, filled to the, to the brim, but there's plenty of tickets on uh, Wednesday, Thursday night shows. And I have to say, this is one of those shows where, you, it's worth seeing multiple times, and and I I mean that sincerely. You know, sometimes you you can go to to see any type of live entertainment. You're like, oh, okay, that was good. Been been there, done that. But this is one where my my husband and my family, my my children are all like, oh, we're gonna go again, right, mom? Because we want to see you know what changes from the beginning of the run of the shows till to to see how the uh, the cast and the crew how do they continue to make those tweaks and enhancements throughout the entire run just to make it absolute perfection uh, by the final weekend. Well, um, I, I, again, I, uh, I, I can't wait. Um, thank you both so much for spending some time with me today. Um, you know, Tina, I, I'm sure to see you soon. Brad, I want, to, want you to get back to, to important business down in, down in, in, uh, in, in Manhattan where you are. And, uh, but it's been really, a, it's been a joy chatting with you. Thanks so much for, for spending some time. Same. What a pleasure. Thanks for having us. And happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Thank you, Brad. See you soon. Thank you so much, Paul. That's it for today's episode of From the Market Square. I'm Paul Durham. We're she and Finney. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast, leaving a review, and sharing it with others who might enjoy it. Of course, no podcast produced by lawyers would be complete without a legal disclaimer. So here goes. Any views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of She and Finney and should not be construed as legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. This podcast is not intended to create, and your listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon anything expressed without seeking professional legal counsel. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I hope you'll join us again. <laughs>